for where we are today versus where we were in 2012, it's just uh, just as an industry, it's striking. As Christine said, uh, some of the changes are dramatic, and I would say. I think B2BMX has actually been a catalyst for some of that change. The B2B Marketing Exchange was created with one goal in mind, to help B2B practitioners across marketing and sales be better at their jobs. Now we're bringing the insights from the stage to your ears. These are the tips and tools you need to succeed. This is the B2B Marketing Exchange podcast. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the season finale of the B2B Marketing Exchange podcast. I'm really excited to have with me as co-host today, Claudia Tarico. Say hi, Claude. Yeah. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited. I've been waiting all season to get invited to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a very special episode because um, we're going to do a little bit of a preview of what's to come this year at B2BMX, but also take a little bit of a walk down memory lane, talk about the evolution of the event, all of the great uh, elements that we have this year, and what better way to kick off the episode than with a uh, quick little Q&A with our fearless leader, Andrew Gaffney. Andrew, thanks so much for taking the time out. Awesome. Thanks. So we've obviously been on quite a journey, not just this year, but um, all the way back starting in 2012 with the OG event, uh, Content to Conversion Conference, which started as a small, very niche event in New York City. Um, So Andrew, only appropriate that we go back to the beginning. What was the initial goal for the event and why was it really needed? Yeah, I think back then, um, content marketing was a fairly new concept, particularly in B2B. So we had uh, worked with a lot of you know, our readers and, and we're hearing questions about how to make their campaigns better. So I think the, at that time, they were the really pioneering B2B marketers were doing content, doing it in interesting ways. Um, so we felt like it was sort of new frontier to, to present those leaders from the very beginning. We thought we brought sort of best-in-class speakers. Content to Conversion was the, the name of the event back then, and it was really, I think, the first um, – impetus into all of the way the event has evolved. And, you know, it's not just about creating campaigns, not about creating great marketing, but how does the, how does those campaigns perform? How do they align with strategic goals? So I think, you know, that that was really the spark for what the event has grown and become. That's really interesting, especially because, you know, we cover all of the latest marketing and sales trends on demand and report. So obviously content marketing and B2B marketing itself has definitely evolved exponentially. So, Andrew, what have been some of the key learnings for you that have really dictated or driven the evolution of the entire event? You know, from the the beginning, back when it was content to conversion and, and sort of the early days of, of that, um, I think a lot of the focus then was just driving awareness and, and kind of any awareness was good awareness. So, a lot of the case studies that we would have shared really focused on sort of volume that they got you know, so many eyeballs or clicks or whatever the activity might have been, you know, as our coverage has uh, evolved and the events has sort of mirrored that, it's really become a lot more about focus and precision and segmentation. So, you know, the event has now grown to have six different tracks. We have one that's become one of the most popular ones around ABM. So I think, you know, it's really, you know, as the uh, category and as B2B marketing has evolved, the event has evolved with it. And I think, you know, you'll, you'll be fine at the Every year, the the case studies and the sessions just get stronger and and deeper with examples about how to get close to the audience and how to really keep pace with changing buyer behaviors. Yeah, I think one of the elements that have really 
rose to the top as far as like the value of of coming to the event is, you know, the actual use cases and the tactical takeaways. It's not just, oh, great, there was this really inspiring case study of, you know, how they implemented, say, interactive content, but it's, okay, I went through this experience and here are the learnings that you can apply if you decide to go down this road. And I, I think those tactical components, but also like this is the community kind of coming together and being open and sharing those learnings is, is a really standout component because they're the ones living and breathing it every day. And I think that that element of community is present in all of the elements of the event. You can kind of get into like the workshops, the more like intimate networking opportunities. But I mean, how has that driven the other elements, you know, beyond the content itself for the event? Because, I mean, I feel like that community component has been ever present and, and increasingly important for our attendees. Yeah, I think that's one of the, you know, the community is a great word. I think one of the ways that the uh, community attendance audience has, has evolved, the early adopters of content marketing back in the day and really more you know, progressive B2B marketing, I think, came from the high tech sector. They tend to be early adopters. So a lot of our audience and readership of Dimension Report in the early days were in the high-tech sector, but the audience for the event has really evolved. We're seeing a lot more attendees this year from manufacturing, industrial sectors, seeing a lot more in healthcare. So that's great. I mean, we're seeing a lot of first-time people that haven't been at the event. And I think the, you know, the common sort of thread, like you talked about earlier, it's, it's actionable ideas and examples. And I think people really, they tend to sort of to keep tabs on their own space so software companies probably see a lot of what other cool software companies are doing and sort of instinctively borrow from that. But I think, you know, we see people get really excited about, okay, I saw something in financial services and they're selling at really high price tags and they deal with regulation. So there's some some core characteristics of that that I think other industries are able to borrow from. And um, so be able to sort of get out there, get outside their inner circles, um, you know, find some common to common threads. And typically that's, you know, as you know, people get really excited about what they can bring back to their office and say, hey, these guys have the same problem. We tried this last year and stumbled on it, but they took a different approach to it. So it's not all just about the tech solutions that are there. That's a pretty core, interesting area. But I think a lot of people are really interested in how people experimented, whether it be with content or approach or getting close to their audience. And I think the really interesting part of that that's evolved is how that's changed across different industries and what they can borrow from from different sectors as well. Yeah. And I also really love that the event in general, it's not just massive, large enterprise companies. You know what I mean? It's just smaller, smaller businesses as well. It's just really just the gamut of different industries and, and sizes of the company really driving and everybody is able to kind of communicate with each other and network together. It's it's small enough. I think one of one of the speakers had had mentioned before it's kind of like the Goldilocks event mm-hmm. where it's not too big, not too small, and everybody could really network and and spend some time together and learn from each other, even beyond just, you know, the actual presentation. So it's really exciting. But Andrew, what new trends are you kind of seeing really leading the event this year coming up? So we're a few weeks away. What are you kind of seeing as like the core trends and and why do you think they're so important? I think, um, you know, one of the really new things we're hearing about a lot with our publication and, and we're hearing people ask about for the event is around things like intent data. They're relatively new uh, in terms of the way they've been rolled out. A lot of the folks that we talk to in, in B2B marketing are trying it but they're trying it in different ways. So they're experimenting maybe on the sales side or in different areas of their marketing, but a lot of different ways that it can be applied. So I think that's going to be one of the 
uh, things that'll pop up across tracks is people could be using intent data in their content marketing to find out what areas of interest people have. People could be using it in sales enablement. Definitely within ABM, we're seeing a lot of people using it to what, what clients, what uh, segments should they be going after? What should their ideal customer profile look like? So I think that's going to be one of the common threads. I think um, we've seen it over the past two years, but I'm seeing it a lot more on the agenda this year. Is There's a lot of bleeding of, of the lines between the different topic areas. So ABM, you know, there's ABM sessions, as you guys know, in really all the different tracks, um, how people are doing ABM for content marketing, that's in the content track, how people are really building ABM as part of the strategy. So um, I think that that's interesting. And a year or two ago, that kind of concerned me. Well, is it really sort of set enough that each track is sort of defined? But I think we have found that people really enjoy sort of mixing and matching and that certain companies that are presenting, you mentioned different sizes. Um, you know, we, we find big companies get really excited to hear from those small companies because they can be a little bit more experimental and try things and tend to be a little bit more hands-on. So um, I think that, you know, intent data will be one of the big trend areas that we would see, but I think you're going to see a lot, a lot of people that will see opportunities to move between the different tracks and get value out of it. That's great, Andrew. So we have a few speakers and attendees um, joining us in a little bit, and and, uh, we're excited to get their input on the area of the event that they're most excited about. But I have to ask you, I mean, is it the, you know, bleeding of the trends, the opportunity for people to go between tracks? Is it the networking? I mean, what components of the event this year in particular are you most excited about? I actually, you know, honestly, because we're starting to get some of the presentations in, I feel like, you know, the bar just gets raised every year. So I was going over a bunch of the workshop content, and that's, you know, to be honest with you, in our first couple of years ago, we really started to build out the workshops. We heard from attendees that they wanted some deeper dives. So we added it, and we were kind of finding our way. I feel like this is definitely by far the strongest workshop content that we've had. There's actually an opportunity to get certified in in demand generation, a really strong uh, demand gen uh, workshop that Dave Lewis and his team are going to be presenting with a few different workshops on ABM. Uh, as you guys know, because you helped plan the agenda, we got some feedback last year that just a reminder that, hey, we're marketers and yeah, there's a lot of data and program stuff we need, but we're also creative people. So there's a few really standout sessions on, you know, just creative and, you know, inspiration around that side that I think will will raise the bar. I got to see a slide deck from Dave Bruno, I think is going to be joining you guys later on. Some of the stuff that he's going to be sharing on, you know, short form or conversational content, I mean, I think that's going to blow a lot of people away. So I just think overall, the uh, the level of content continues to to raise. And I think you know, some of the workshop stuff, people will, will definitely leave with value that they can apply as soon as they get back. Yeah, I really do love that um, in a certain respect, we're almost getting back to basics because like you said, there are a lot of really exciting trends and, you know, the tech that helps facilitate all these great campaigns. But that foundational layer of, you know, how do we create our best work and how do we remain creative and collaborate better with our teams and and get to the foundational messaging requirements that make the campaign successful. I think that's kind of the the back to basics moment that I think a lot of marketers need to keep in touch with. Yeah. To some extent, you know, this is one of the first years where it's not like we've had ABM in past years or things that are sort of like brand new, like that's the trend. And that's gonna, I think this year there may not be any sort of brand new thing, but everybody is trying to evolve and advance, you know, the, the programs that they're doing to make the content a little bit stronger, stand out. And so I think that's, that's just sort of the common denominator among all the tracks. Yeah. And I have to say, to, just to mirror what Andrew said about the workshops, I, I actually really remember slacking you, Alicia, and telling you like, 
these workshops are amazing and the ticket price is just worth the workshop alone. And then all the other sessions the next two days are just a cherry on top. So I just had to add to that because these workshops are really, really legit. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, regardless of, you know, what the objective is for our attendees, there are a lot of opportunities, I think, to get that one-to-one FaceTime with other practitioners and even even the folks on stage, right? Like you said, Claude, like that right time, right size, um, you know, approach gives people equal access, which kind of allows them to, you know, take ownership of their experience, the depth of and breadth, I mean, frankly, of content. I mean, there are a lot of opportunities, I think, for people to get a lot of value out of it. Absolutely. And I mean, I've been to a ton of marketing conferences for the, since I started, you know, at Demand Gen Report. And one thing that I noticed that's totally different from our event is the fact that usually you have the speaker, they get on a big stage and then they go backstage and then you don't really you don't see them ever again. Almost our speakers kind of stick around after their session where they could actually, you know, they wait around answer audience questions right then and there. So that's a really great component that, that you really just get that one-in-one time and they're willing and able to, to just stand there and hang out and talk to you for five, 10 minutes and answer what any questions you may have instead of just running backstage and then, you know, getting on their flight back wherever they're going. Yeah, I think the size of it, it's still intimate enough that you should be able to connect one-on-one with, with the speakers and everybody else. And our team also does an outstanding job of facilitating that. So our, you know, B2B Experts program, our CMO Mentors program, a lot of that is really intentional about giving access and, and making that part of the core value. I had an attendee from Oracle uh, that hadn't been to the event actually since back in New York, I think, and reached out and said, you know, you guys should be marketing that more. That's one of the, just the value in that alone, just the networking of, you know, hearing from people, finding people, potential people you want to steal, you know, to be on your team. I mm-hmm. think, you know, that's that's fair game and that's part of the, the access and core value of it as well. Yeah, I was going to say, I recall an attendee saying that, you know, she was in between jobs and she was able to build those connections because of those programs. So anyone listening, if you're attending this year and haven't taken advantage of that, do get in touch with us um, because we do want to make sure that. Yeah. And the closing session, which you guys are putting together is really about, you know, teams, mm-hmm. what are the new skill sets? How do you build the right team? So I think that's, you know, that's approachable and applicable among all those areas. Oh, this has been great, Andrew. It's been a, a nice uh, moment to take a trip down memory lane and to just regroup on all the great components that we have coming up this year. So thanks again so much for taking the time. Thanks, guys. And thanks for all your work in uh, putting together the, the great program. Yeah, it's always fun. So for the next portion of this episode, we have two very special guests on the line, Christine Elliott and Dave Bruno, um, who are friends, family even, of the B2BMX team, not just past speakers, but also loyal attendees. Christine, Dave, thank you so much for joining us today because we're going to take a trip down memory lane for for a little bit, if if that's okay with you. Sounds great. Yeah, good by me. Thanks for having us, Alicia. Yeah, yeah, of course. So, Christine, I want to start with you because you've literally been with the event since day one. I remember first event in 2012, when we were just content to conversion, um, you were one of our first speakers. So I have to ask, how would you describe to everyone listening? I actually asked uh, Andrew, our editorial director, this very same question. How would you explain the evolution of C2C into B2B MX? Because I, I feel like it aligns so well with just how B2B itself 
has evolved. But I mean, what, what, how would you take this evolution and how does it align with your professional career and the skills that you've had to acquire? That's such a great question. And in thinking about this year's event, I was just reflecting on that. Back in 2012, I was in a marketing strategy role for a mid-tier professional services firm. And marketing automation for us anyway was just really taking hold. So I was in the midst of developing our first lead nurture program, leveraging marketing automation. And we had started with two pieces of content. And as we developed the strategy, we recognized we needed 48 pieces. So that was a heavy, heavy lift in terms of content development. So I was thrilled to find a place, although I think it was only couple hundred people at the very beginning who were like-minded souls in terms of really identifying the best practices and new ways and new types of content to develop. And so for me, that was just tremendous to have that focus on content. And then I don't, I don't know how many years later it was, but when that demand gen track was added, I really felt like that's one of the pivotal moments in the history of the conference, because I will say even today, that intersection of content and demand um, is still so critically important. And then, of course, along the way, getting all the way up to what is it now, six tracks, including, you know, all the Mm -hmm. latest, greatest things, ABM, the importance of sales enablement, marketing and sales aligning, Um, strategy overall and channel marketing, it's astounding how much it's grown, both in terms of number of people and just the scope of the event. And I would say another pivotal thing in the history of the event was moving from New York in May to Scottsdale in February. So that I think was a, a really, really key positive thing for the event. And interestingly, now, eight years later, I lead a demand center and content strategy team for a Fortune 200 company. And I am still hyper-focused on that intersection of content and demand. So I guess what goes around comes around. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. And I think, Dave, you you have a pretty similar experience, right? Because although you're very creative and content-minded, you're still keeping a pulse on all of the different applications for said content, making sure it's strategic, making sure you're guiding, you know, your audience through the appropriate journey in a way that is relevant and compelling to them. So, I mean, what what's your take on, you know, the how how content itself, or, or even for B two B M X, has evolved and what you're really looking for from an event perspective? Because, I mean, going back to our first year again, I feel like there were still very few shining stars in the content marketing world. And I feel like now because everyone is doing content, the uh, the rules and the expectations even ha- have changed uh, dramatically. So, I mean, what, what's your take on that? Yeah. Yeah. Without question, Alicia. I, look, I, for where we are today versus where we were in 2012, it's just uh, just as an industry, it's striking. As Christine said, uh, some of the changes are dramatic. And I would say a couple of things. I think B2BMX has actually been a catalyst for some of that change. You know, I haven't been going as long as Christine has, but I've been, I think this will be my fifth year in a row at your event. And 
I go to that event and I change my behaviors when I come home from this event. I learn from practitioners. I learn from experts. Uh, I learn from the vendors that are there and the sponsors that are there. And I feel like we're still in an era of significant and rapid change. The things that I look at the agenda this year and I'm mapping out the courses that I want to go to and I think, holy crap, there's still a lot of things I don't know much about. And there are things that were different than last year. Like I thought last year by the end of the conference, I felt pretty well-rounded. And now this year I feel like, man, I got some work to do again. And you know, I got to be focused and map my journey through the event carefully. So that's what's so interesting to me is, uh, is how fast it continues to evolve. You know, eight, nine, ten years after the industry sort of evolved into being something, we're still changing very rapidly. Awesome. Dave, I'm just curious. I mean, you just said you've been looking at the agenda already, planning out your events. So, you know, what key trends or what even objectives are top of mind for you right now? So how are you kind of going to tackle this agenda this year? Yeah, thanks, Claudia. Yeah, I... I, I... I'll tell you, and this is an easy answer and perhaps seems like an obvious answer, but the keynotes are always extremely valuable. So I will, you know, I go to those keynotes, I get there early, I get near the front rows, I have my notebook out, I'm old and I'm old school, and I still write notes by hand while I'm listening. I feel like I can write faster than I can type uh, with my thumbs. So I, I will be there early and Entire, the entire time of those keynotes. So that's one of my objectives. I get a lot out of the keynotes. I want to make sure I spend a lot of time there. And then a couple of trends, and I know Christine's probably got a different point of view on this, but one of the ones that I'm paying a lot of attention to, and I see more and more content on your event this year, this is one of those things that seems to be evolving and right before our eyes, is events. I happen to be personally a big big proponent of spending more on events, investing more in events and boutique events. And I see some very interesting content, uh, including some survey results. I think maybe even one of your own surveys uh, on events, as well as some practitioners I'm looking forward to hearing from. So uh, events are a big part of my objective this year. And Christine, what about you? Since you kind of sit at that intersection between content and demand gen, are, are you going to be going across this year? Because like you said, six tracks, lots of content, but I feel like a lot of crossover as well where, where you may find value. So what, what are you focusing on? Um, yeah. And, and before I answer that, I just want to say, Dave, I think events are critically important. I think the name of the game now is really the integration of activities we have to try to connect with our clients and prospective clients in many different ways. And I think in this digital age, getting people to events or having those richer experiences, whether it's a webinar or in person, are just absolutely, absolutely critical as part of a, a winning strategy. Good. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm glad to hear that you agree. That's great. I mean, we see that we're going back to direct mail in some cases because it's really about meeting our prospective clients and clients where they are. But two things, two sessions have caught my eye in particular, um, one on declining lead conversion rates and what to measure instead. I think it's so critical that whatever we're doing, it seems like more and more, you know, we have a responsibility and accountability to let the business know how they're spending uh, their hard-earned dollars and why they're placing the the money in our hands. 
So, you know, we've been monitoring the lead funnel and working that for a long time. I'll be excited to see kind of what's next in terms of metrics. And then my huge issue, which anyone who comes to my session or sees me, I may wear a sandwich board at the event. Um, it is all about experience, content experiences and experiential content. So there's a session on the B2B marketer's journey to experiential content. I am, I am just hyper-focused on that. We are still delivering our lead nurture programs today in a drip email format. And it is um, not the most efficient, and we need to place the power in the hands of our prospective buyers. Just like when they search on your website, they get to search for the information they're looking for. We're still guessing on what we think is most important. So content experiences are front and center for me. Okay, I have to stop you right then and there. What what do you mean by sandwich board? What is that? Oh, you must be young. You must be really young. Like a sign, I'm going to put a sign over the, the front and back of myself with huge letters on it that I'm gonna do one. At least I will just I will wear one and you will see what it is. It's how people used to advertise, you used to stand on the street and put your message on a big sign and place that on your body, front and back. I'm not kidding. Google it. Okay. Now, now I, okay. All right. I got, I got it now for sure. But you definitely, you have a few um, millennials in the room here. So we're all kind of like, what? No, what I know what mean? it is. I know what it is. I just didn't know the phrase. Or the kids that's were. probably not what it was ever called, but now I feel really old. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, me too. What the heck? Oh my God. Uh, Next thing you're going to ask me what a record album is. Then we're right. really Don't go, don't go that far. Album. Okay. <laughs> Um, All right. So getting back to business, everyone. Um, No, I I, I love this input. And I think that even just thinking about the the push towards experiences and and how can we be, how can we tell better stories and, um, you know, better engage our audience? I think it it ties to a pretty central theme this year. And, And not to you know toot our own horns, we we try we try to do this in a strategic way to try to connect the dots. Is really just weighing the balance between the increased demands of marketing and like just to you know get the campaigns done, get everything out the door, meet the deadline under budget, but still create that content excellence or, or still be highly creative professionals. And I feel like that's a pretty universal tug of war, but I'd love for you guys to weigh in on that, because again, you're living and breathing this every day. Is this something that you're struggling with and how do you navigate that? Because again, I think it's, I think it's something that is still evolving and I think we can all kind of learn from each other and have that come to Jesus moment almost. Yeah, Alicia, particularly in my role, and you know me well, you've certainly, you and your colleagues at Content for Demand have certainly done enough projects with me where we try to find this balance. And I pride myself on pushing the envelope of creativity. Sometimes I don't, they don't work out so well, but you know, at the end of the day, I constantly struggle to push for creative solutions to content marketing challenges. And I, you know, I don't even, from my own personal standpoint, and I'm not the person who has to actually get measured on results. I'm content strategy and creation, not demand gen in my role. So, my demand gen team members might have a different answer, but I don't feel that 
tug of war. If it's not creative, I'm not interested in doing it. It's just, there's just so much content out there. It's more, it's not a tug of war. It's just absolute relentless pressure to be creative, to try to find ways to capture eyeballs, to capture attention, to increase engagement, whatever that may be. So to me, it's not a tug of war. It's just pressure to produce. Right. And then do you just feel that pressure just from your target audience or is it pressure from your colleagues too? Because they're the ones that are probably like, hey, listen, Dave, like this has to like meet X expectations or X numbers. I mean, what are the sources of pressure happening? It's my inbox, Alicia. Shit. It's my <laughs> inbox. I just look at it and I think about how many freaking emails I get every day from people trying to break through and capture my attention. That's where the mm-hmm. pressure comes from. My colleagues are actually sometimes are like, dude, tone it down. Because I, I, I overreact, right? I, I, I get, I, you know, everybody, we're all the same. We get 100 marketing emails a day. How do you break through? How do I get out of my inbox and find creative ways to contact people? Like, Christine, you were just saying, right? It can't just be nurture emails. So it's, it's create and be creative or die. And so that, the pressure comes from just being aware that we're one speck on a, you know, on a universe of content that we're, that's competing for people's attention. How about you, Christine? That's, it's so interesting um, because I'm now straddling both worlds. Um, I joined um, JLL leading the content strategy team and have since added to that the demand side. And I honestly think content strategy is one of the most under-respected disciplines with the most opportunity and the most challenge within it. Because it's not just, as you just said, Dave, about telling a good story. Of course, you have to do that. You have to know your audience. You have to cut through the clutter. But it really is truly, truly an art and a science. And we were uh, doing some process work earlier this year on lead nurture stream. So, so important for us to, we've got great thought leadership, but how do we actually convert that into lower funnel activity that's going to drive someone to say, yes, I want to talk to you. And we were trying to be process efficient and put everything in work front, which is our system. And our lead nurture program that we used as an example took us 18 weeks to develop. Not because it took that many hours, but because of the brain power and time and thought that we had to put into how to create content um, in in a way that would compel um, compel action. The other thing I will say is it's really if you want to talk about the inbox, I can't tell you. We could have a whole podcast about email subject lines mm-hmm. and what role they have to play, right? You And some people want to tell the whole story of the piece of content in the subject line. The subject line has to get them to open the email. Christine, I got to tell you, sorry to interrupt, but just, what is it? It's 1.30 in my time, 11 o'clock this morning, 11.04 a.m. I got an email from somebody that says, please enter subject here in the subject <laughs> line. And, and do you know, it, it was clearly a mistake, but I opened it because I thought it was a hook. I swear to God, they <laughs> got to enter it. And it worked. It actually worked. But I couldn't agree more about the importance of subject lines. But that's just we did, funny that it happened today. Crazy. We just did some testing and our optimal number of words in a subject line is 10. Hmm. Not five, not six, 10. It was very, it's, but that's the whole thing. It's like, 
you you really have to not only put your best foot forward and test things and try new things, um, but you have to you have to measure measure it and then try something else and and then rinse and repeat. So it's a um, and that's the balancing creativity and demand. I get it from both sides. I'm so protective of the content side of things, but at the end of the day, we are a brand new global team. Uh, it, you know, our, one of our mantras is never let perfection get in the way of good because I could have really dug in. I did dig in for 18 weeks, I guess, to develop a nurture path. So maybe I'm, I'm talking on the other side of my mouth, but you have to get out there and start tracking your metrics. And then you can go from there because if we would have waited to get it just right, we wouldn't have any results from last year to be reflecting upon to make it better for this year. So it's it's always going to be, I think, one of those challenges. So. Great. So question for you both. Um, maybe, Christine, if you want to tackle this one first, you know, what elements of the entire BWMX event experience do you find most valuable? I mean, it's the fireworks. <laughs> it is all about the fireworks. Um I, mean, I know one person who'll be very happy to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> it's impressive. It's impressive. Um, I, you know, I was reflecting on that. And actually, I think Dave kind of summed it up earlier when he was talking about it. I think it is a, a great combination of getting the latest theory and frameworks from serious decisions and other experts in the field. I personally get the most out of um, the real life examples of what's working and what's not for people, because often, and I always, you know, I'm happy to share the good, the bad and the ugly. And I think that's what people really relate to is let's just talk honestly with each other as peers about what's happening. And I find that networking overall is astounding both in terms of the quality of it, but even the way the event is set up, it really invites people to hang around at lunch and not go back to your room and and crank out email. Um, and I, I think, you know, so I think all of that is absolutely great. I mean, this is this is my tribe. And I do think Dave made another good point. Having the all of the partners and vendors there to be able to walk the floor, you can learn so much about practically anything. And given how fast everything's changing, I think that that is so critically important. Awesome. And Dave, obviously you've been, you know, mentioning a lot about your experiences at B2BMX, but um, anything to add besides, you know, obviously I know you, you like coming to B2BMX to come hang out with me and Alicia, but what, uh, what other elements of the experience do you, do you find most valuable? Right. Well, after that, right. It's a big drop off, you know, it's a big drop off. <laughs> after that, I think it's all the stuff to steal. You know, you ask me what's most valuable. Christine touched on it. Like, there are so many ideas. This show, this event, which is just jam-packed with practitioners, you, you, you can't... You can't go to a session without coming away with your phone filled up with pictures. Okay, I'm going to steal that idea. I'm going to steal that idea. Oh, that's a good idea. I, I, don't, I have to be creative. I don't have to be original. <laughs> and if I see somebody doing something in another market that I think I, I can, quote, unquote, steal the idea and translate it to my own, I have no shame. 
And that's the value. Without question, I come back and I look like a genius. (laughs) (laughs) Well, not to throw you guys under the bus, but can you share an example of, you know, it doesn't have to be a specific idea, but is there a practice or principle or an idea that you applied and it made you seem like the smartest person in the world? I have a quick one. Uh, Shocking for me. I know you're like, dude, finally something quick. Uh, (laughs) But I can tell you, I I don't know, uh, Alicia, you may remember the years better than me, but two or three years ago, content hubs were just starting to bubble up as a, as Mm -hmm. a real tangible thing. And I came, I saw, I copied, and I conquered to the point where our <laughs> content hub won a finney the next year. That we had really never done them. And then a year later, not only were they an integral part of our program, but uh, one of them was good enough to be recognized amongst my peers. And I'm sure a whole bunch of people stole that idea like I stole <laughs> theirs. But yeah, that for sure, there's so many things, but that's a really very specific example that I remember was very helpful. Yeah, we're we're being a, bringing a big group this year from our our marketing team, and we're actually having a pre meeting to talk about the expectation that each person is coming back with at least three things that they can practically apply to their job. So we're bringing representatives from content strategy, from our ABM team, from the demand center, and. I believe each one of the people who will be there will walk away with with different practical insights to and I can't think of another conference that I could give that suggestion to people coming and say this is what you should do you got to find three things you can bring back and start doing tomorrow and I think that really differentiates BMX from other events love that you you got a plan <laughs> and a team to support you that's great yeah all right, great. Um, so to run out our conversation, guys, I mean, obviously, you both are speaking at, at this year's event. And I always find the planning process for, for presentations like this to be fascinating because I feel like as the producers of the event, we try to, you know, s- sit in our audience's seats, so to speak. You know, what challenges are they facing? What are their priorities? And what value do they hope to get um, out of the event experience, which we've already talked about? But I mean, for your sessions specifically, what what was the planning process for you both? I mean, did you come to the table thinking, okay, I want to talk about our experience because we think that it'll align with the experiences of a lot of other teams? Or was it to spotlight a success story, a particular trend? I mean, what motivated you both to really share your stories this year? Um, Christy, let's start with you. Well, I'm in a new role, um, as I mentioned, at that intersection of content and demand, which is like a career dream of mine. And our global marketing team is only 18 months old. And so I am really going to tell this story. And that's always what I like to do is tell the story of what our year one was like, because within that, there was so much that we learned There were things that did not go well at all. There were things that were surprising. There were definitely lessons learned about, especially around building a global team, because I had not had experience with that before. And I think even if you're not on a global team, to really hear lessons learned and very practical 
things and to draw those conclusions and say, like, you know what, we tried that and that was terrible. We are not doing that anymore is probably even more impactful than this is the great story of our wonderful success. And so that's the approach that I always take. And I almost always have somebody come up to me afterwards and say, my marketing team is going to hate you. Just like <laughs> what you were saying, Dave, because I'm I'm going back and saying those last, those 10 things to do, they need to implement next time. So I think it's about telling the story, but that's my content strategy heart. Yeah, I can. I agree almost word for word that it, I, I do find when I go to sessions, so I do the same thing you do, Alicia. I put my, I put my audience hat on and say, okay, how would I want this information to A, to be communicated to me in a way that I can consume it and B, what will be of most value to me? And I will say you have always been a great partner. I'm not trying to be flattering, but you've always been a great partner this year included in helping me formulate a session that I think will add value to your audience. And and then I try to tell a story. And I agree the missteps and the mishaps and the mistakes are the things that are actually as valuable, if not more valuable, like Christine said, than the success stories. Because it's easy to go up there and say, look how great this is. It's not so easy to stand up there and be vulnerable and say, and look how many times we screwed up until we got to this, but don't make these mistakes that we did. So that's that's sort of how I go about it. Love it, guys. Well, we hit on a lot of a lot of things uh, during this conversation, um, the evolution of BWMX, um, you know, your own personal experiences, uh, what, what you love from the event itself and just speaking at the event. Again, I think just the opportunity to connect as a community and um, like you both said, you know, fess up, be vulnerable, share share your struggles, um, what hasn't worked and and really help each other get to that next step in, in our journeys as marketers, as storytellers. Um, that's always what I look forward to. So thank you both for being a part of, of that continuing journey with us. Um, but before we say goodbye until we go to Scottsdale, um, which I can't believe is, is so close, I want to ask you both. I mean, do you have any personal favorite memories? And again, not, oh, like, tell us how great BWMX is, but like, really personally, like, what what is one memory that really sticks out to you both? I think that may be a nice way to close out. Dave, do you want to start? Oh, sure. Ask the old guy for a memory quiz. Oh, <laughs> awesome. I mean, before you forget. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been five minutes. I forgot what we talked about on the last question, for God's sake. <laughs> now, I, I think, Alicia, it was my first year my first year coming and we brought a whole bunch of people from our team. So this is, this is specifically about something at the event, but rather collectively. So we brought four or five people. We were bringing it. It was a team of people that were kind of brought together not that long ago from other places. Some of us had worked together before. And the last night of the event, we went to dinner together and the dinner conversation was astounding. 
everybody said exactly what Christine said. It, it was like, we're all there. We're all drinking. That's the time to stop talking about work. And we sat there <laughs> for three hours brainstorming and sharing, well, I learned this. What if we did something like this? And it was a, you know, the place was empty. It was just us at our table. The wait staff was long ready to go home. And we weren't being rowdy and drinking and doing silly things. We were sitting there brainstorming about how much better marketers we're going to be in the following year. And it still strikes me to this day as a rather unique experience in all of my um, long history of trade show experiences. So uh, I think that's the one that stands out. Great. Christine, how about you? Let's I think see. I know well, where you may go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm, yeah. No, it's, I'm going there. Uh, I have to, it's all about champagne. So I can remember it was it, it could have been the first year at Ganey Ranch. I can't remember at this venue where there were, I'm like, we're in Arizona. How are there gondola rides? And I made my way out and unexpectedly found the gondolas and it was just wrapping up. But there were some people who may or may not be part of the event that were hopping into a gondola with several bottles of champagne. And so I had to help out and uh, help them consume that. And uh, the second story is actually from last year. Um, one of the things we do with our marketing team that I think is, is one of the best things we do is we call a Champagne Tuesday. And a Champagne Tuesday can happen any day of the week. But we literally, if anyone on the team wants to celebrate something, we will go get really great, well, very good champagne. And we will have have a group of people just in our club, um, in our office space. And we had one of an impromptu one at the event last year, sitting outside by the fire pits. So, and what was great about that was I can't remember which vendor was hosting the after party, so it was all free. So I would say let's all agree to do a Champagne Tuesday out by the fire pits this year. We'll invite the whole event. How about that? I'm making the note right now, actually, and we'll ma- definitely make it happen. That's our next marketing email. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and it's so it's so funny, uh, Christine, that you mentioned champagne because I actually remember um, it was my first B2B MX about four or five years ago. I was brand new to Demand Gen Report. I think I was with the company for about like three months or two months even. And it was, Christine was one of the first people I've ever met um, at B2BMX. Um, and all I remember is her handing me glasses of champagne. She was just like, we're getting bottles. Here's the glass of champagne and I will never forget it. So Christine, let's make sure to, to have uh, a few glasses this year. Well, and that was with <laughs> Carrie Baldwin. That was bubbles before bedtime. That was actually <laughs> love that. Uh, the champagne event. She, I will give her credit for that. I don't think she's going to be there this year, but um, what a great thing to do, right? Just to celebrate being together, do it with champagne. And uh, that's what it's all about. So we'll do it again yep. this year for sure. Amen to that. Well, thank, thank you both so much again for taking the time out. It, it's always a pleasure to just, you know, connect with friends of the event and again, talk about where we've been, where we're going. Um, you know, my, my biggest memory is just that, that first year of going from New York to Arizona, just seeing that landmark or, or that milestone for us. Um, but I think truly from a content perspective, from an experience perspective, it, it really is going to be, um, 2020 is going to be the year to be. And, and that's thanks to speakers like you. So Thank you guys again so much uh, for taking the time out today. 
You bet. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Yeah. Yeah, this yeah. is fun. Safe travels, everybody. We'll see you there. Yeah, we'll have champagne, everyone. Yes, so we come will. come on down to Scottsdale. <laughs> I can tell you I'm not waiting until Tuesday for that. That's for sure. <laughs> Just so we're clear. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> Alicia, that was so much fun. I really want to be invited to more podcasts next season. Yeah, absolutely. As soon as we get back from Scottsdale, we'll get started on season two right away. As you all know, if you haven't heard, we're going to be going off to Scottsdale for a few days for B2B MX. So we're taking a little bit of a break. But uh, don't be too sad because when we get back to the office, we're going to have plenty of content to share with our listeners, as well as some new interviews with some experts and practitioners. So stay tuned for that. And most of all, thank you all so much for not only listening to today's episode, but for the entire season. It's really been a blast. And if you have any ideas, feedback for us, recommendations, please don't hesitate to reach out to us on social media through the Demand Gen Report Twitter, or even through the B2BMX Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks again, everyone, and see you soon.